Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Southerton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Vole and Jeff Hyatt. Now here is Father James Thayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Glory to Jesus Christ. The parable of the Good Samaritan. It is seemingly a straightforward tale about one's duty to one's neighbor. After all, our Lord ends it by saying, go and do likewise. And this is perhaps one of the best-known parables, perhaps the other one is the prodigal son, that is known in the New Testament. And it's interesting, of course, that the Good Samaritan has even come into our laws. We have Good Samaritan laws, so that if you, if, you know, if Nurse Shaheen were to see someone by the roadside who had been in an automobile accident and you pulled him out of harm's way, but in fact you made him worse, uh, you would not be held liable. You, tr- you tried to help him. That is the Good Samaritan law, that you are held, uh, not held liable for that. Um, although the meaning of this parable seems clear, I disagree that it is a moralistic parable about how we should treat our neighbor. Let's start at the beginning. Before the parable, the lawyer asks, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he only wanted to quote, and I'm quoting from the the gospel lesson, to justify himself by asking a follow-up question, and who is my neighbor? In other words, he was asking the Lord about salvation and eternal life not about his duty to his neighbor, not how we should treat him. After all, and I'm going to use the gospel according to St. Luke since this gospel lesson is taken from St. Luke. St. Luke in chapter six, verses, in six verses 27 to 31 and verse 36, he makes it quite clear what our duty is to our neighbor. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer him the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, so do also to them likewise. Therefore be merciful, as your Father in heaven is merciful. Now, are we as merciful as God? 
St. Matthew's Gospel ends the Sermon on the Mount by saying, Be ye therefore perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Are we as perfect as God, even in our best moments? Do we love as God loves? Are we as good as God? Are we as righteous as God? And back to this gospel passage, read here this morning, when our Lord says, well, what do you read in the gospel, in the, in the scripture? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I want to ask you, my brothers and sisters, can we ever, ever love God with our heart and soul and strength and mind? Can we ever love our neighbor as ourselves? Consider the first question. How often do we miss church? How often are we bored or tired or busy? How often do we neglect to pray, to fast, to read Holy Scripture, to even think about God once in a day? And yet, Can we ever claim to love him with our whole heart and our whole soul and with our whole mind and with all our strength? And what about our neighbors? Can we ever claim to love our neighbors as ourselves? We can't even uh, claim to love those who love us, much less our enemies. Think how, well, I won't go into husbands and wives, but parents and children. Brothers and sisters, Uh, I remember once when I was a young man, I visited a man in the hospital and his wife uh, uh, met her at her home and she drove me around this village in Maine where she lived. And the man's name, her husband's name was Don. And as we drove around, she pointed to a house about two blocks away and said, oh yeah, that's where Don's brother lives. Uh, He hasn't spoken to him for 25 years. Well, I don't know what went off the rails there, but uh, it just shows that, you know, I mean, even siblings uh, uh, not just squabble, not just argue, but come to hate one another, not love one another. No, my brothers and sisters, our salvation cannot and does not rely on what we might do to earn our salvation. Christianity is not a moralistic or legalistic religion. Do A, B, and C. Don't do X, Y, and Z, and you will be saved. Nothing we do or can do can merit our salvation. While Christianity definitely has moral and uh, standards and laws, we know that our salvation relies first and foremost on Christ, and his saving death on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead. We are always found lacking. Romans 3, remember that famous verse, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But our sins are forgiven through his sacrifice on the cross, and eternal life is given to us through his resurrection from the dead. By our faith and baptism, we are his forever. 
As St. Mark quotes our Lord at the end of the, his gospel, he says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now let's return to the parable. The church has always stood this as Christ is the good Samaritan. Christ is the good Samaritan. And we are the ones mugged, robbed, stripped naked, and left for dead. The Samaritans, after all, were hated by the Jews. Ah, and Christ as the Messiah, the suffering servant, is uh, despised and rejected of men, as Isaiah says of him. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. No, in this parable, it is Christ who saves us, Christ who rescues us, Christ who binds our wounds, Christ who covers our nakedness, Christ who carries us to the shelter of the inn, the church, where we can be healed and restored to life. Yes, it is Christ who sees that we are cared for in this inn. Yes, and I specifically point to where we make our confession, and I point to the altar where by God's grace we will soon receive the precious body and blood of our Lord for the forgiveness of sins and unto life everlasting. Yes, Christ uh, sees that we are cared for in this inn. Christ delivers us from the burden of unattainable perfectionism. He is the perfect one. And we accept the outpouring of his love for us in his incarnation, his crucifixion, and resurrection. We who, are, who believe and are baptized are saved. And we are inspired by his love and mercy to love our neighbors and sacrifice for them. But we must not get things turned around. We don't do good so God will save us. God has saved us sinners. Oh yes, St. Paul made that quite clear. While we were yet sinners, God gave himself, Christ gave himself for us. Yes, we didn't have to be Mr. and Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes to get God to love us. No, he loved us just as nasty and evil as we were. And he gave himself for us. My brothers and sisters, this parable is a parable about Christ and us. And it is about our helplessness, our woundedness, our weakness, and a parable about how Christ, the Good Samaritan, loves us, pities us, cares for us, heals us, saves us, and by his great and rich mercy brings us to life with him in this world and forever in the world to come. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ.